Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. it many times on the show, probably to the point where those of you who are old enough will know what I'm talking about. I'm like a broken record. But since it is one of the major challenges in a marriage, I don't think it can talk, be talked about too much. What is it? Disagreement and, yes, the C word, conflict. I prefer the first term because it's less reactionary, but there is no way around disagreement in any relationship. But it seems to create a stronger aversion when it's happening within your four walls and with someone who promised to love you till death. So to help unpack why this is, and more importantly, provide a healthier way to look at it, I am joined by mediator and award-winning columnist of the Science Advice Goddess, Amy Alcon. She's also the author of the Science-Based Unfuckology, A Field Guide to Living with Guts and Confidence, which, by the way, I love the title of that book, Amy, and thank you so much for coming on the show and talking again about conflict and how we can deal with it. Thank you. You know, it's so funny because here we are, we have iPhones and drones and all these amazing uh, conveniences, indoor plumbing. I mean, even that's a marvel. (laughs) And you know what? We really have not changed how we relate to other human beings. We really haven't modernized that at all. And I became a mediator. I'm a volunteer mediator in the city attorney's office in Los Angeles. I do free mediation for L.A. residents with disputes. And then I do family and relationship mediation privately where people come to me and I help them resolve their conflicts. And one of the things that I do is help them stop fearing conflict, to see conflict differently. Well, I mean, that's, I think that's the thing, and, and it's one of the things, and I've said this before on my show, that I, I don't like it when people are given permission to fight that's actually, you know, there's something wrong with you if you and your partner aren't, aren't fighting. And, you know, there's no way I can put a positive spin to the word fight. I, I don't care. There's you know, nobody, oh, yeah, let's go out and have a fight today. Um, and, and I think that fight and conflict, these, these are really emotionally laden words, and you know, and and I think they create the kind of fear that you're talking about. That it's like, oh, I don't want to fight with my partner. Or I don't want to have conflict. It's like, okay, quit breathing, um, <laughs> because you know, because you're going to, you know, you're going to disagree. And to me, if we can lower the volume a little bit on the emotion, we can actually make some progress. Well. This is one of the things that we do as mediators, and I find just increasingly that the tools we use in mediation are so helpful for our own lives. My life, my relationship is so much better since I started using these tools, and one of them is de-escalation, and part of that... We all know what de-escalation is, but part of that is using neutral language, not using words like, even like dispute, we'll say things like matter, what I want to hear about your matter. And when I first got to the office, I thought that's sort of silly, but you know what? It's really helpful. You're really right about this, Leslie, that it's important to take the, to change the names of this. And one of the things that I say along these lines is that, Conflict is an opportunity, and if we see it that way, which sounds crazy at first maybe, but 
it really is. It's an opportunity for greater intimacy and personal growth and for the relationship to be more satisfying. And if you look at it that way, if you look at it in terms of us, we're all going to have different desires. Sometimes they're going to conflict. And it isn't wrong that a person has another desire than you do, but how are you going to manage it should be the question. Well, okay. Now, Amy, that's just ridiculous because if my partner loves me, they should want everything that I want. (laughs) That's what we think. Right. But, you know, I I do want to go ahead. something because because how I found you was an article you wrote um, that appeared on the Psychology Today website, and it's called Relationship Conflict as an Opportunity for Intimacy, which is what you were just talking about. But you had you had a great take on conflict, which I have to share because I, when I read this, I just started laughing because you said conflict is a sign that neither partner is dead, and I just thought that is like I just love that, <laughs> right? Um, because the whole point is, and it's just like you're saying, we can't escape conflict slash disagreement because we aren't the same people. And, you know, and you're saying this is that, you know, I mean, this idea that I, I, it's a paraphrase of something that George Patton said, his, his, what he said actually wasn't what I'm about to say, but I like my version better, which is, you know, two people agree on everything. One of them isn't necessary. Uh, (laughs) That's really funny. And, you know, there's recent research on what's called assertative mating, how well people match with their partner. And we think that we should have people just like us. But in fact, it seems that people with different sorts of personalities, they match, their relationships seem to be more satisfying. Well, you know, there are some caveats that if you have people who are different in religion, I think it's religion, politics, and sort of the major values, then that's going to be a problem. If I'm an atheist and you're an Orthodox Jew and, right. you know, you want the children to go to synagogue and I think, you know, I want them to go to some, some other place for secular education, we're going to have a big problem. Mm-hmm. But it's well, not unresolvable, yeah, I- perhaps. Well, but I love what you said because what I look at is, is those personality types are, they become complementary to each other that exactly. I'm, you know, I, I have this skill, this strength here, and you have this other one. So when we put our, so when we join together in a healthy and productive way, we actually become something greater than either one of us is by ourselves, which to me is what I, what I try to bring across as whether whether you get married or whether you're just in a long-term relationship or whatever, where when you're in this intimate relationship with somebody else, it's how do we bring out the best in each other? How do we um, acknowledge and admire the differences as opposed to being afraid of them? And I think that's exactly. what you we're kind of talking about maybe as um, – conflict being an opportunity for intimacy. So I want to go back. I, I, I did have to take that little little diversion because I could not 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 say what you <laughs> thank you. That was perfect. Um, and so so this how do we adopt this concept of seeing conflict as an opportunity as well, opposed to something to run screaming away from? Let me explain a little bit about how mediation works. We have two neighbors. One of them has a rooster and it's crowing at three o'clock in the morning. The other one's very upset about this, calls the person all sorts of nasty names, calls the cops on them. Well, we Mm -hmm. sit them down in a room. 
you know, and when you're sitting down like that, you know, people have what, what happens is we draw out, we get them to talk to each other and we draw out um, both positions and interests. So position is the stated thing you want. I want you to move your trash cans in right away on trash day. But the mm-hmm. interest underlying that is really important. The interest is the the underlying motivation, the why. And it's basically, I want to be treated with respect, like my feelings matter. And so when you understand that and you serve that and you argue with that, argue, quote unquote, when you, mm-hmm. you know, engage in your conflict, it, you know, with that in mind. And with the idea that, you know, when you have these stories, you want to hear the person's story. Let the person hear their story. I mean, say, tell their story and listen with an open mind. And you use I statements. We've heard that before, but what that means is, I feel really bad when this happens. And try not to say when you do this, because the moment you blame someone or criticize them, we think that criticizing is a way to make people change. It's actually just a way to make them want to clobber you. And so, yeah, it, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't usually work very well, you know. Exactly. And the I statement is like, and an I statement is not, I feel like you're a jerk. That is not exactly. Yeah. No <laughs> sneaky stuff. No yeah. sneaky stuff. But when you say that, you know, I feel when this happens, like I feel like this. You know, I felt bad when this happened. And the person can say, oh, my God, I didn't mean to do that for that reason that you thought it happened. I did this actually for this reason. So there are often these big misunderstandings. We decide that we know what somebody else was thinking at some time, and they had the worst motivations. Even people we love, they did this because they want to screw with us. But often it's just, oh, they weren't thinking. They were preoccupied. Um, and so when or, those things come out, when you truly right. listen to the other person in this discussion phase, you know, that's when that stuff can come out. And you can't interrupt them. We always want to interrupt, um, mm-hmm. but you have to really listen and let them say their piece and then you say your piece. Well, and, you know, and, and this, this concept of sitting down and listening and the idea that the underlying motivation and I kind of talk about this, my listeners will know, but I talk about this is what I call the event, you know, event topic and issue level. And, you know, the issue level is really the motivational level. It's really what triggers me. It really is, you know, what I'm desiring. So this, and, and most conflicts or most disagreements aren't really about the thing so much as they are about the way that thing makes me feel. And exactly. a lot of the time it is about feeling disrespected and or unheard, which frequently go hand in hand, you know, because if, and, and sometimes if we can just stop, and I love the concept of listening with an open mind, and believe me, if you could figure out how to do that in the world, boy, well, we could all just be really well, happy. Well, actually, this thing of, you know, you have to sort of practice this, and you have to sort of write down these steps, because I do this as a mediator, it's my job, so it's just <laughs> natural for me. We have, this, we have people sit down, we have you each talk, and what I say to people when I have them talk, this is what you should do with your partner. I say to them, I want to hear about your matter, what brought you here today, you know, what, what you're feeling, and then I'm looking to see what solution are you looking for. You know, what, cause I ask people to be forward thinking and to be solution oriented in my intro to the mediations. And this is an mm-hmm. important thing to remember for arguments. What that means is I can go back to when I was eight and I can prosecute my little sister for about 65 things she did wrong. We all can. 
But what sure. this means is don't focus on the petty bits. You know, this isn't a time you're not, there's no judge there. You're not, it's not a time to, you know, have the person laid flat for, laid bare for every rotten thing they've done as you perceive it. It's a time to say, here's how I felt and here's what I want. And if you stick to that, the other person can empathize with you feeling, I felt so bad when this happened because I felt like I was being neglected. And then the other person can say their piece. And then after each person says their piece, you should get a little time to rebut the other person's statement. And what's good, this sounds a little, you know, weird, but have a pen and paper. Each person, like, make arguing, quote unquote, arguing, make conflict a formal thing that you do. You have a specific time. You want to discuss something. Sit yes. down with paper. And then when that person's talking, if they say something that you're like, oh, no, that's no, that's not how it was. Write that down on a piece of paper and then bring it up. Don't interrupt. Really make an effort to listen with an open mind and open heart, which sounds so corny, but it really well, is important. But, I mean, it's not, it's not corny because it's true because in reality, and, and you said it before, and I always jumped in because you, know, you said it before about you know, we, we come up with these ideas about what's motivating the other person, which is, making an assumption, which is assuming, and we all know the very familiar phrase about what happens when we assume. And <laughs> you know, we've, we've already decided beforehand that this is, not only is this what this person did, it's the reason that they did it. And, you know, and, and no matter what they say, you know, it's like, well, I'm not going to believe you. And it's like, well, okay, how's that going to get us anywhere? But that's what we tend to do when we're so hurt. And so I think when you talk about the I statements and being able to talk about the feelings. And then, of course, in, in just a minute, we're going to get into that. But I got to, going to have to take a break in just like 20 seconds. Um, is, you know, that, that feeling, that being heard, that being, re, you know, respected in terms of just because you feel this way doesn't mean that I do or that, you know, because I would do it for this reason doesn't necessarily mean that that's the reason you're doing it. Right. So I want to remind my listeners that this is Happily Ever After. It's just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking to author and mediator Amy Alton about how to reframe conflict so it isn't so scary. And if you have a deep-seated fear of conflict with your partner, or maybe the reverse, they're the ones who are conflict avoidant, or that everything's a fight, you're potentially doing some real damage to your marriage. So instead of trying to prevent conflict, I invite you to learn how to make it work for you. So I invite you to take a moment and give me a call or shoot me an email to schedule your free Create Your Happily Ever After Transformation session and learn how to disagree without it getting disagreeable. So you can call me at area code 919-924-0463. Again, that's 919-924-0463. Or you can shoot me an email at Leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, and it's in Nancy, C is in Charlie.com. And now I want to get back to how we go about doing this. Um, so, I mean, in the in the article, you, you had kind of a five-step, you talked about a mediator's toolkit that yeah. you use. Um, and it's got five steps. So can we, let's, let's, can we go through each one of those steps sure. one by one so we can okay. kind of give people an idea of how to do this? Okay. So the first one is talking. That's when each person says, here's what, what's going on for me. 
and here's what I'd like to have happen. Now, mm-hmm. you know, suggesting what you'd like to have happen, that the other party just needs to listen because they're going to get their turn, and it doesn't matter. This is the thing we learn as mediators. It doesn't matter if people are really, really far apart in the initial stage because there are ways to work this out once you get all the information out. So you have talking. Mm-hmm. That's step one. Step two is understanding. Now, so I'm saying when you're talking, make this a formal time. Say, you know, we have this issue. Let's talk it out at 430. You know, let's sit down uh-huh. and, and we'll talk it out and put some paper on the table. And so while the other person is saying their piece, write down any notes like, oh, I want to address that because he said this and uh, it really wasn't uh-huh. that way. And then each of you gets a chance to rebut what the other said. And this is what we do as mediators. We sum up what was said because that way the person can correct it. So we say, I'm hearing exactly. that you're feeling disrespected because I come home late all the time when I say I'm going to be home early. Is that right. correct? And so that way the person can say, well, it's not exactly that, or it's also this. So you mm-hmm. get that information out. So then next, after both parties do that, both okay, of you, so both I want to parties, stop, I want to stop right there because I, I, I want to clarify something because, because what, you, what is meant by understanding means I, I get what it is you said, not I agree with you. Exactly. I think, that that's a, I think that's another place um, because, well, I have to understand why you feel that way. No, actually, I just, un- I, the understanding is just, I can say back to you, this is, this is what I heard. And then, like you said, somebody gets to correct it or not, because I think people get caught up with this understanding, like, it has to make sense to me. It's like, no, actually, it does not. I that's be able exactly. To- that's exactly right. It doesn't have to make sense to you. You just have to understand what they're saying. They could say, you know, it feels to me like there are aliens flying over our house and dropping Christmas presents on our roof or whatever. Right. And you could just repeat that. That's their factual. That's their reality. So I'm understanding that your reality, what's real for you is this. And so mm-hmm. then the next step, step three, is agenda setting. That's okay. after both people have gotten out their statements. And actually, I recommend writing this down saying, okay, let's figure out what the issues are that we need to deal with. You know, uh-huh. Santa, Santa on the roof, you know, your <laughs> mother-in-law, you know, whether we give keys to strangers. Um, uh-huh. So just say those out of my weird imagination. Um, so <laughs> it's, then you say, do we agree? That, is, this, is there anything else we need to talk about? So then, what's really good, so the next phase, number four, is negotiation. Now, you can find all of these. I have this article, Amy Elkhorn's Psychology Today, so you, can, mm-hmm. you don't have to remember these. Um, right. and, and so the next one, number four, negotiation. So what that is, I recommend doing what I do in mediation. You take the easy one first. When you've mm-hmm. heard, you know, when each person makes their statement, you see like, oh, wait, you know, we both kind of agree on this. We just want it to happen a little bit differently. Take that one first. And so right. hammer that one out and say, like, you know, I, I get that you're feeling this way, and maybe that doesn't matter so much to me, and so I could, I could just, like, go with that. And people, uh-huh. see, when one person does that, they're sort of big about things. It helps the other person be big because they feel like it's, again, the positions versus interest. Basically, you're giving a person a show of respect. I respect you. I care about you. You know, you want to be treated like your feelings matter. I care about your feelings. So that's, that's really important to both be generous like this. And so after you get out those points, 
that's when you come to agreement and you, you, you might need to take a break in the middle of all of this at any point. Correct. Right. That's a really important thing because we know about fight or flight. What happens is this is this hormonal train that gets going. You can't just go Uh like, whoa, put on the brakes. It's once that adrenaline of fight or flight gets going, it's gone. And you burn it off by running away from a bear, which you're not doing in your living room when you're a little (laughs) bit mad at your partner. So what's really good is if you're feeling all heated, if you can't make sense of anything, if you're not getting anywhere, take a break. Take a walk around the block. Table it till tomorrow. Hug each other. The, the spirit of doing this, of like, of we, that we are going to work this out together, that we're a we, is really, mm-hmm. really important for making this positive. And, and the thing that you were saying before, you know, it's th- this thing of like creating a relationship where it's like the conflict leads to you, you know your partner better. Since you're not afraid, since you're not, oh, we never fight, since you're actually Mm -hmm. like, we air what's important to us, you're going to know what's important to your partner. That's deeper intimacy. You're going to be better at giving them what they want. If you know what they want, if you know what upsets them, you know, this is the antithesis of passive aggressiveness where people hold on to what they want Mm -hmm. and then they lash out hostily, you end up removing so much hostility from your relationship if everyone's needs are always addressed like this. Well, and it just, and it makes, and one of the things that I say um, is that we don't necessarily need a fast answer. We want the best answer. And so being able to take a break is really important when those, you know, when the emotions start to run away with us. Because, and, and I don't know if people understand this, and I've said this before, but once those, that fight or flight system gets triggered in our bodies, our bodies don't know the difference between whether or not we are being chased by a bear or whether or not we're just, uh, you know, annoyed with our partner. Our, our bodies can't tell the difference. The only part of us that can tell that difference is our brain, <laughs> which, which when it's been hijacked, it can't even tell the difference. So being able right, to calm because... down is so critical. Yeah, as you know, so what happens in fight or flight that's so funny is that the blood, it makes the blood turn away from your prefrontal cortex, your reasoning mm-hmm. center, and go to your arms and legs and your heart and your lungs so you can run, so you can bolt and uh, bolt away from whatever's chasing you. And so you are at your least equipped to reason when you are angry. And that's, and that's something that, that I've said um for a long time, and people think I'm crazy. And, it's, and and by the way, we all are going to have these reactions. The problem isn't having the reactions. It's just not trying to continue to resolve something when we're smack dab in the middle of them. Right. And I wanted to bring up one other thing that's important for the resolution, you know, of the arguments of matters mm-hmm. or whatever you're going to call them. And it's that once you get the agenda items out, what are the things that we need to deal with? What you can do is actually, and this is what we do in mediation, we ask people to brainstorm, okay, well, what are ways that could be solved? You know, and throw out some wild ideas. Make each other laugh. That's okay. And you might need to recognize, you know, this is an important thing. We're not instant geniuses. We don't always have the answer. So sometimes you might say, like, 
God, I don't know how we're going to solve this. Let's sleep on it. Let's talk about this on X day. And you want to say X day and make an actual time because otherwise what happens is one person will forget and the other partner will get increasingly angry thinking they're just Mm -hmm. trying to duck out of the the issue. And so that's why it's super important to do this. Make it formal. You respect other people in your work world by scheduling appointments with them. Respect yourself and your relationship by doing that too. Absolutely. And and I'm sure that you guys do this as as professional mediators because that's part of your job. But actually, when you come up with the solution or the agreement, write it down. Or at the very least, go back to that, okay, here's what I understood that we agreed to. Because that sometimes people will walk away from the quote-unquote agreement part of it with two completely different understandings of what just got agreed to. <laughs> I think that that's a really great point. Now, we do do this as mediators, and we have a formal language. Mrs. Smith and Mr. Jones agree that Mrs. Mrs. Smith will no longer leave her newspapers, blah, 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 except on blah, blah, blah. So you don't have to do that. You can just write it out less formally, like on a piece of paper or type it out and mm-hmm. say, you know, uh, you know, this thing, this issue, put the title at the top and say one you know, so-and-so promises to do this, so-and-so promises to do that. Put some little hearts, throw some little hearts on there, make it cute, because this is a really positive thing. You know, and people shouldn't feel bad that they don't know how to do this, because you know what? We don't tell anyone how to do this. And it's only for mediation. Right. And so I've been in advice columns. I've written a science-based advice column for 25 years. And I tell people how to resolve conflicts, but... It was really this formal mediation training and the work, doing the work, which is part of the training, you know, uh-huh. that you see, oh, my God, this is incredible. And you use this, these things like positions versus interests. Again, positions are, you know, the thing you say, like, I want you to pay me this amount of money for this. And interests uh-huh. are the underlying why. I want to be treated with respect. I want to feel like I matter. And if you understand how important the interest is, it's sometimes more important than even the position. We find in mediations, someone will come in, do or die, I've got to have this, I'm uh-huh. never backing down, you know, for 3,000 years I won't back down. And then when they hear the other person, and this is an important part that I didn't get into that I should have, mm-hmm. empathy and validation. They, when they actually, and uh-huh. this is why you listen, when they can empathize, oh my God, oh, you're being kept up all night by my light on my porch, you know, and that's really affecting you, making you depressed and everything, and then that's affecting your relationship. Wow, you know, I, you know, I, I understand that, and I'm so sorry. I, you know, you, you say those things. You validate what someone's going through. This doesn't make you a bad person for having a porch light. To be human is basically to be a real big jerk. We're all jerks. <laughs> you know, and my goal is to recognize when I've been a jerk so I can be less of a jerk in the future, but I'm still going to be a jerk because that's being human. But this thing of empathizing and validating is so important. It's generosity of spirit, and and that just works wonders. And having somebody else come around for you, and 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 give in in, in a way they might not not give in, but give in a way yes, yeah. they might not have without without that. Well, I mean, and it's so important. And I lo- I love you saying this because in in going back to the very beginning of the conversation where we we're talking about not attacking people. Because attacking people, nobody, nobody's going to be empathetic if they feel like they've been attacked. And, you know, it, it's amazing because many lawsuits could be avoided if people could just 
be empathetic and validate to go, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that this was the problem or, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that this was the consequence of something that I was doing. Because that's, I, I really think that that's a big part of this is people just want to feel heard. And, and yeah. then when they don't feel heard, that's when they start going in, in, into the more extreme things. And, and another thing about this that I think is really important for people to understand is that once you start doing this and doing it regularly and practice it, it gets easier. It really does. And also you see that, you know, for me, um, being accountable when I've done something wrong, immediately accountable. This is something I've done. Now, my book on fuckology is about basically how to become confident, and that's something I needed to do. I was a friendless wimp and a suck-up, and I had to change. You know, mm-hmm. and so when you're a friendless wimp and a suck up, the last thing you want to do is take responsibility for anything. Oh my God, I was a criminal. Oh, even on a social level. But the mm-hmm. thing you were saying about apologies, I wrote another book with the F word in the title, Good Manners for Nice People Who Sometimes Say Fuck. And in that mm-hmm. one, I did the study of all the medical apologies. So the oh, lawyers at hospitals yes. say, oh my God, whatever you do, don't, don't apologize. Mm-hmm. But... When they do, the, it was in the VA system, the, this, um, all this research, uh-huh. they showed that uh, sometimes people who wanted to sue didn't even follow through with their lawsuit, or they would just settle for a smaller amount of money if the doctor just said, you know what, I made a mistake, I'm so terribly sorry. Even when somebody died, a sincere yes. apology like that, and if you're like that with your partner, oh, here's an example from my own life of what a jerk I am. Okay, so my, <laughs> my boyfriend makes me all this food, he's so sweet, I would just eat hot dogs all the time if he didn't because I'm always writing and reading <laughs> science. It's well, so thank sweet. For and, him. Right. and so we both had the sous vide supreme. Um, mine largely goes unused and I had uh, one of those sealers, uh, vacuum sealers that plastic seals things and uh-huh. so he wanted mine because his was broken and, and, um, he, and, and he pointed out um, basically he said like are you something like do you ever use that or something like that and I was like Oh my God, I, I, I wanted to keep it. I wouldn't give it to him. And I thought, Oh my God, I've never used it. I will right. never use it. There was some like little hoarder-esque thing in me that was like making me hang on to that. I'm like, and I said the oh, A word. I'm such an A uh, blank. Um, and, and said, I'm so sorry. And I put it in a bag and gave it to him. But it was that thing of like being honest when you're mm-hmm. being a jerk. Being honest, oh my God, I'm hoardery and how creepy this man makes me food. I'm denying him. I want him to spend another $26 on Amazon for the, you know, another vegetable, another sealer when I'm not going to use this one ever. (laughs) So I'm a jerk. Well, I mean, no, actually, like you said, you're you're human and that's one of the things that, you know, makes relationships a challenge is because you've got two imperfect human beings. And that's really, you know, what this is all about and really why is it that we disagree and how we disagree. And I love what you're talking about because what you're talking about, being able to take responsibility and ownership of stuff is what I call maturity. (laughs) But it makes everything better. So when you do that, when you say, I did this wrong, um, I I once... um, I forgot to, well, I shouldn't say this because it's our mediation thing, but um, when I do this, when I realize, like, oh, my God, I did this, or I, here's an example, like, especially if I speak to my boyfriend in a way that is unkind, um, and he points that out, I immediately apologize. That's not nice. It's not respectful. It mm-hmm. doesn't make for a good relationship. The fact that I have a feeling is not reason to let, let it out of its little cage to climb all over him. 
you know, you might feel annoyed with someone, but to act that way with them is mean and disrespectful. And it just takes a little more effort to hold that in and to express what you want. That's, you know, what you're going for in, in a way that is not mean and not unkind, which I guess is the same thing. Well, yes. And this has been wonderful. So please let the, please let people know where they can get your book, find out more about you, learn more about this process because, oh my goodness, if we could just get everybody to move just a little bit in this direction, I think we'd all be doing much better. Thank you very much. So my current book is Unfuckology, A Field Guide to Living with Guts and Confidence. It's available everywhere, bookstores, Amazon. And this is a science-based book on how to transform not just to be more confident, but more productive, how to not let your feelings be the boss of you, how to use action to transform who you are. And so that's the main thing. And then Amy Elkon, A-M-Y-A-L-K-O-N on Twitter. And you can find my science-based column in papers near you. It's Amy Elkon. Sometimes it's the advice goddess or the science advice (laughs) goddess. And then psychology today, if you look for me there, I have a new blog and you'll find this post on mediation, which I believe you said is called because I don't have it anymore. You said, oh yeah, it's relationship conflict is an opportunity for intimacy. I lose everything after I do it. I forget it. So anyway, thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you. And as I've often said, you know, disagreement's inevitable, but fighting is a choice. And for most of us, it's the fighting that we want to stop. So we've shared some great tools today to help you do that. And so a big question is, when will you start using them to end the drama so you can get closer to each other? And hopefully one of the things that you'll do is to keep listening to this show. And until next week, stay loving. <laughs> <laughs>